0: Wow. Okay, we got that sorted out now. That was a little wild up here. I don't know. must have been back there too. Okay, we're in Philippians chapter 1. Last week I read a psalm. I'm going to go back and read that psalm once again. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Sounds really loud up here. Is it that loud out there? Okay, I still feel, that's getting better. I felt, felt like I was yelling at myself. So, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his people. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I'm going to see how much you remember from last week, see. Um, This is a continuation of last week's message. You remember last week's was Thanksgiving one. This is going to be Thanksgiving two. We're going to try and add on to what you already learned. But if I were to say to you, God is good all the time, how would you respond to me? Who said that? Who said all the time God is good? That's right. All the time God is good. It's a. It's a came up in a movie. I think it's a really nice phrase. And, but I used that last week, and my wife got it right off the bat. I was very excited that she remembered that. The other thing was, in this in the Psalms, it says they praise the Lord and said the Lord is good. No, His. His love endures forever I, was, I had you all say that one it's, the Lord is good his, his love endures forever now I brought you to that to say everything that we have is in Christ everything that makes any difference to our lives is in Christ and I brought you to that to remind you that that is the one gift you have that is absolutely incredible his love never ends It never fails. His love endures forever. You're the objects of his love. So how long is he going to love you? Forever. Boy, you aren't very loud. How long is he going to love you? Yeah, forever. That ought to have an effect on us. That ought to cause us to want to praise him, to give thanks to him. And that's what that psalm was saying, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His love endures forever. I took you to a lot of different places last week. This time I didn't write one of those introductions because I don't want to get all choked up. I might get choked up sharing something else. But when I read my introduction, which I hadn't read back to myself yet, I realized I said enough that it affected me. And sometimes God does that to me. I read the stuff I write down in a hurry and find out that it was a message from God and it was for me too. And it was good to hear that. It's good to hear and be reminded. Peter says he will not neglect to remind you of so great a salvation. Why? Because he doesn't want you to ever forget. He wants you to remember all the time that Christ died for you. Because of God's love, Christ died for you. He shed his blood for you, cleansed you from your sins, rose again to give you life, and gave you His cloak of righteousness as your own. So that in God's sight, you're always righteous. Those are things that are always true. But life throws us many curves, doesn't it? And many times you get to hear people asking, well, if God loves so much, then why this? Why that? David believed he had a Savior, and the Savior would have been Jesus Christ. He didn't understand all of that, but he knew there would be a Savior that would come and would take, pay the price for him, and he believed in that. But he sinned rather grievously. To us, it seems big, but keep in mind, to God, every sin is big. Every sin that you do will send you to hell. It doesn't take a big sin from our perspective. Uh, taking a candy bar will send you to hell. That's not yours. I mean, taking your own doesn't matter taking a candy bar that's not yours, stealing it, is sin. It would send you to hell. It doesn't matter what sin it is. But David did something that was pretty big from our way of thinking. He took another's wife as, for a night for himself, sent her back, and found out later she was pregnant, and sent her husband to the front lines and asked them to pull back because he wouldn't go in and sleep with her when he invited him back. So since he wouldn't do that, he had to get rid of him somehow. And so he sent him to the front line, and they pulled back, and he died. So in essence, he had him murdered. Um, that sounds pretty bad to me, and it was. And David for a while didn't respond to anything about that. He he was miserable. He knew what he had done, but he wasn't getting right with God. And he finally sends Nathan to him to straighten him out. In the process, he finally confesses, gets himself right with God, but the result of his sin is that he'll lose his son. That sounds, that sounds awful, doesn't it? Now your son, who's maybe at this point a, a couple years old, is going to die from the illness he has. So what does David do? He goes to uh, sackcloth and ashes, gets down to the ground, pleads with God to to save his son. And people are asking him why he would do that. And he says, because who knows that maybe God will change his mind and allow my son to live. But that didn't happen. Now, that would make me wonder, what's going on? What kind of a savior do I have? But the very next thing tells you that David already understood that he had more than he deserved but that he had a great God and a future because his response was, well, when he was sick, I thought maybe God would change his mind, so I pled with him. When he got done and he died, he got all cleaned up and people said, well, how can you do this? You should be mourning your son. He says, I I can do this because I know where my son is. He understood that his son was with God. And he would one day get to see his son. He was not that didn't. He didn't like losing him. Neither do we. But it's a lot easier to lose a child if you know they're going to heaven than somebody that you don't know is going to heaven. And part of what I want to do today is I'm looking through Philippians, and I'm going to show you the main word here we're going to get to is in the in his. In the prayer part of it, he thanks, tells you to do it with thanksgiving. Keep in mind, it's all about thanksgiving. And so I want you to center around that word. I don't say it a lot, but I'll try to say it more today so I kind of get you thinking about it. But um, in, this, in this Philippians chapter 4, he starts out with a discussion over, uh, uh, he says, therefore, my brethren, you whom I love and long for my joy and crown." that is how you should stand firm in the Lord. And he had been talking about that, how to stand firm. But he calls to them and says, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. He gives that statement to them. And then he begins a teaching. And he starts with a little teaching on a couple of ladies, uh, Euodia and Syntyche and... He pleads with them to agree with one another and ask those others, yoke fellows, in other words, fellows who who serve the Lord with him, to help these women who are living that, that live there and, and and work with them and to uh, to teach them uh, so that they would be in they would become not controversial. They would get along together. And uh, that would quiet things. Um, The church ought to be able to fellowship together, and these two were struggling with that, so he's asking them to work with them. And then he says, and and use these ones along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. So I could say that same thing here. All of you whom I love and, and care for and pray for, all those whose names are written in the book of life. This is a message that God wants you to hear. And as I preach today, I want you to catch what he's trying to tell you. I'm not really focusing in on this reunion, but I'm starting now on verse 4 and following to focus in on, on thanksgiving and how to get your minds straight about life. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here he begins with a statement. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, I come to your house and you're having a birthday celebration. And I said, let's rejoice in the Lord. You'd all say, yeah, we can do that. But what if I come to your house and it's after a funeral and you're all sad? And I said, come on, let's rejoice in the Lord. Is it going to be as easy? Not generally. It's not the way we think. But I think he does want us to get the idea that that is the way we ought to think. And that's why the rest of this is written He wants you to understand how can I do this? How can I be thankful and rejoice for whatever comes into my life? Uh, Jane's car broke down on the road. Were you sitting in that car rejoicing? Or you've rejoiced since I saw it on your face. But during that incident, it's pretty hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of scary. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, we have times when all our emotions get in the way of our seeing the truth, and that's sort of what God's trying to get us to do: is to focus on the truth. He says, "Let your gentleness be evident to all." The Lord is near. Now, that's one of the first things that you get in here. It's it's a small phrase. He says it in the middle of a bunch of other things, but he wants you to get it. The Lord is near. Now. Depending on who you read, it can mean a lot of things. But there's really two ideas really strongly indicated here. One, the Lord is near, isn't he? All of you aware that if you're here and you're his, the Lord's here. Because he never leaves you. So he's here. But he's also indicating that I want you to be able to rejoice and be a totally different people because the Lord is coming and it's not far away. So the Lord is near. Lord is at hand. That time's close by. Now how close is it today compared to what it was? Yeah, I can come up with a number pretty easy, can't you? A little over 2,000 years probably since the Lord left to when he'll return. We've been 2,000 years. Do you think we're closer than we, they were 2,000 years ago? But he wants you to get the idea, it's close by. It was close by 2,000 years ago. It's close by today. The Lord's return is near. But even on top of that, the Lord has never left you. He's always with you. Whether you're sitting in a car alone, or you're in the hospital, sitting next to somebody that you love, the Lord is with you. If you're in there alone, in a hospital bed, the Lord's still with you. And he wants you to catch that. So that he adds that phrase. He wants you to catch on to that. So then he says, don't be anxious about anything. And the term anxious here really means to be full of care. It's not that that little bit of worry you sometimes have. It's when it absorbs you and you're full of worry about it. You're full of care about it. It overwhelms you and it takes you away from being able to see the Lord. Be anxious for nothing. How can I do that? He says... Because you can go to prayer. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, people try to divide prayer and petition up, and there is some division. In prayer would be all of those things that you might say to God, uh, exclaiming who he is, rem- Letting him know that you know he's a great God and giving praise to him in your in your prayers. It can be that, it can be just a general conversation you have with God. See, you are sons and daughters of the living God. He's your father at another place. He says you can cry out to him, Oh Daddy. That's very familiar. And he wants you to feel familiar. He wants you to understand who he is but that you have a familiar relationship with him. You can go to him. You can sit down with him and share. There isn't any, a lot of people write books on how to have great prayer life. And those are all good to read and get an idea. But the bottom line is there isn't really any pattern to pray other than what Christ has taught about when he talks in the the Lord's Prayer. You could pray like this. But when you get done reading that prayer, you realize you can just pretty much say to God whatever's on your heart. And he wants you to come to him and do that. He wants you to come right away before those cares get so big you can't see them. He wants you to come and share with him. And that's the petition part. Lord, I want to put before you something that I need. I want to plead with you. David put a petition. I'm pleading with you to to, to let my son come back from this sickness and not die. He didn't answer that prayer. Sometimes God's prayer answer is yes, sometimes no, and sometimes he says, wait. That's the one I think is hardest for us, wait. But I think the point here is that God wants you to bring him because there is one person you can trust to have your best interest at heart. And that's God. There's no one else you can trust like God. God is always good. Remember? God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. It doesn't change. He's the one person you can depend on to have your best interest at heart and anybody else that you love. He knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what's needed and how it needs to be done, and we don't get it. We like to to rearrange God's thinking sometimes. But he knows what he's doing. And David even says at one point in one of his psalms, uh, I went through all these things and God taught me. And he's basically saying, I had to go through these to learn what he wanted me to know. I had to go through these. All that time with Saul chasing him around, you didn't think he learned anything from God? I think he did. He did. And, and that was the point. God was preparing him. In many ways, far more than he would have to work with anyone else, he was to be a king of a nation. And he needed to be know who God was. He needed to go knowing he could trust him no matter what. Well, you can trust him. If you're a dad, you got to raise children, you got to take care of your wife, you can trust the Lord. He'll always take care of you. If you're a wife, You may work too, but you got kids if you have kids. If you're just husband and wife, you have each other, you got to care for each other. You can trust God to help you be the person he wants you to be. You can trust him to always work in your life. You can trust him to work in your spouse's life. You can trust him to work in your kids' lives. He'll do a better job than we'd ever do, and he'll help us to do our job better. We can't just give it up and say, here, you take care of them, because that won't work. He expects us to learn as we do it. I learned a lot of things from my kids. I can remember the first thing I learned. I learned how to forgive. And I learned it from my son. I I talked about this to my son recently. He didn't remember it ever happening. But that tells you how young they were. And uh, we were in our new house. And... um, I had, uh, we had painted rooms and gotten things ready and we were living there and uh, walked into Rachel and Josh's bedroom and there were big H's written on the wall. And I mean by big H's, the size of a piece of paper. H's on the wall in crayon. And uh, we were disturbed and we brought Josh in because we knew he could write. Rachel couldn't write. And we told him, asked him why he did this, and he kept insisting he didn't do it. But there it was, plain as day. So I said, well, what's going to happen is we're going to go in, you and me, and we're going to wash this wall down and get all this off. So we went in, and he scrubbed, and he cried some about it. He was a little upset with me uh, with the fact that we didn't believe him. So we went out, we got a movie going, and we started to watch this movie, and Rachel comes out, she slaps the paper down says, look, Dad, look what I can do. And there was that big H. It was Rachel. I was devastated. Um, the Marriage, family, marriage family, counselor, you know, uh, the guy who went to school, the guy who's, who knows the Lord and is growing, the, the dad who ought to be perfect. And I wasn't. I was devastated. I got down on my knees in front of my son and I said, I, I have to tell you, I am so sorry that I did this. Will you forgive me? He says, sure, Dad, I forgive you. Can we watch the movie now? <laughs> but right away, instant forgiveness, I learned to take care of things and forgive right away. And to ask for it right away. I learned from my son. I had to go through that to learn something God was teaching me about forgiveness. And it became important in my practice, even as a counselor. So here, he's teaching you those things through hard times, and you can go to him and you can pray, you can trust him, and you do it with thanksgiving. Why? Why can you present your request to God with thanksgiving? I've given you the answer already because you can trust him. He's going to take those and he's going to do good with those requests. He's going to do it right. And in the process, you may get taught and it may be hard going, but you'll grow to know the Lord better if you're open to him and trust him because he's trustworthy. And that's the request made I had a friend whose daughter twenty four years old was dying of leukemia, and she had written me and we had talked and and uh, then she passed away and uh, the daughter passed away. My cousin was still alive um, her and her husband and I said I got to go down to this funeral so I went down and I walked in the door And as soon as she saw me, she came running and uh, gave me a big hug and as her heads up she Uh, to my ear she says I'm really angry I said why because she got to go before me she says I'm not angry that I lost my daughter I know where she is but I'm angry that I'm still here and she says to me I know what you're going to say I says you do I says yeah you're going to tell me that you're here because God's still going to use you. And I said, well, that would be true, but I don't think those would have been the first words out of my mouth. I just said, I'm really sorry that you lost your daughter, and I'm thankful that you're still here because I know that everything God does is good and right. Everything. And that's why you can go to him like that. In the most difficult of times, I can take my request to God because I know he'll do the right thing. And if I know that, then it gives me a sense of peace. And that's what he comes back to. As you do that, as you you give those requests, the peace of God, which transcends your understanding, you don't know how you get it, but it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, the hearts kind of give us those feelings that we have. The mind is what keeps us straight if we keep our mind on the Lord. And he says it'll keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He'll give you peace. Many, many times in my life already, I've got to pray for people, including my mom and others, that I would like to see my mom get well and and come home, but she had gotten Alzheimer's and then she got sick and one too long after we found out what she had, that she passed away. But I knew she had come to know the Lord, and I knew God had a purpose, and she felt like she had a purpose. She'd always say that. She didn't. Uh, she knew Cheryl and I. She didn't always know anybody else that came. She didn't remember when she saw us, but she knew us, and uh, I was always grateful for that. But you know, I always knew that she she knew the Lord, and it had changed her. She had become happier at the end than she was in a lot of her life because God had changed her. He had done it right. He had brought all her kids before her, at least most of us. We thought all of them at one point. No, we're not sure, but the, but the Lord knows and I keep praying for them and uh, people come and go. You're praying for them. Trust God with what he's doing because he's trustworthy he goes on and says finally brothers I'm going to tell you how to think whatever things are true and I'm going to leave out the whatever so I don't have to read them all whatever things are true noble right pure lovely admirable if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy about it think on these things now think about that for a second if you thought on those things all the time what would you be like if you thought about all those things all your life from that perspective you looked at the things that were true and honest and just and lovely admirable if you thought on those things what would life be like for you I know what people would tell you if you thought like that and talked like that they'd tell you you you're wearing rose colored glasses so my wife says every time I tell her how beautiful she is, she says, I'm so glad you have rose colored glasses on. I don't think I do, but she thinks I do. In a sense, if we really thought this way, we would see God at work. And the things wouldn't be near as devastating because we know He's working. Not just in other lives, but in ours through what we're going through, and I want to become more like Christ. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I'm not finished yet. I know I won't be done until Christ comes and takes me, but in the meantime, I'd like to keep growing. And sometimes I have to go through hard things to get there. Sometimes I don't. I like the easier ones better, but... I can trust the Lord in what He's doing. And that's what He wants you to do. If it's excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned, and this is Paul speaking, not me, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I'd like to be able to say that, but there are some things that I think you've probably seen or heard from me that I'd rather you didn't put into practice, because I still sin. Paul did too. But Paul was teaching the word of God, and he was saying those things that I've put into practice, if you see me do them, you do them. You you follow me. You practice the way I've practiced. So then his end statement is, and the God of peace will be with you. Again, that statement so then he goes on, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. That's that thanksgiving. I, I'm so thankful to the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have, re, have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in, in need, and here's what you want to catch. For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of, of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. So he talks about your contentedness. And then he comes along and he says, Now, I rejoice greatly in the fact Philippians were the f- first ones to give him anything and the ones who continued to give it well he was in macedonia and, and other place and uh, cities in macedonia he was they would send him gifts and now for a while they hadn't had that opportunity now uh, the likelihood is that philippians was written while he was in caesar's palace in rome so because caesar's those of caesar's household who have come to know the lord greeted him too so he's sent a greeting with that but the bottom line is That's where he was at. It was more difficult for the Philippians to respond to that, to send gifts to him, but they had sent them finally, and he was excited about the fact that they had sent it to him, but he wanted them to know. It wasn't because he was in need particularly, not that he wasn't in need, because they sent because they had heard he was, but that he wanted them to know that he had learned wherever condition he was in, whatever situation, whatever prospect he was in to be content. Now, I read some of his, some other verses, and you have too, about the many things Paul went through. Five times he was, he was uh, given the cat of nine tails 30 or more times each. Uh. He was left stoned and for dead three times outside of three different cities. He didn't die, by the way. He he was left for dead, but he wasn't dead. And the Lord brought him back into town before he left the town. Um, He was shipwrecked twice. You only get to read one here, but he tells in in his little memoir that he was twice shipwrecked. And once he was left out to sea for a day and a half. start thinking about things Paul had gone through. And even the controversy, every time he entered a city and preached the gospel, the Jews would send a group following him to try and to stir up a multitude to get him out of town so he couldn't preach anymore. Constantly, Paul was persecuted and worked on and things went badly for him. And he said, I'd learned, no matter what condition I'm in, to be content. How did he do that? He says, I know what what it is to be like that. He says, the bottom line, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. See, he's coming back to God again. Coming back to that perspective we need to look on God. To grab hold of the one who walks with us and say, I need you to be here and be strong for me. And I trust you. You died for me. I trust you. I thought Paul was trying to make sure, it's funny, he thanks them for their gift and then tells them, but I probably really didn't need it because I've learned no matter what happens, I'm okay. But then he comes back and he says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, In the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I was sent out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, just you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I want you to get that sense of feeling. Yes, I'm really excited that you gave. No, I don't need it. I've learned to be content. He's trying to teach them, I'm happy you sent it, but I've learned to be content no matter what the condition, because I trust my God. And then he goes back and and tells them again, gives them that sense of, you did a good thing by sending to me. And you were the only one who did it the whole time I was in Macedonia. When I was in Thessalonica, you did it twice. Twice. You have amply cared for my needs so that I don't need anything else. And because you have sacrificed for me, my God takes care of all your needs. Now, he doesn't say it just as a statement as a response, but to get them to understand that no matter what they go through, God will meet their needs at the time. Sometimes our need is just to not be scared just to not be overwhelmed with anxiety about life. We went through a pandemic and everything around you is trying to terrify you. And it wasn't that we shouldn't take any precautions. It was that it could get out of hand to where that's all you thought about. And God wants you to come back and say, no, wait a minute. Do you trust me? Yeah, I trust you. (laughs) Then don't be overwhelmed with anxiety. Anxiety. Don't be overtaken by it. So you're, you just had a baby and is struggling and it's in the hospital. If that's all you look at, you're going to be overwhelmed. God wants you to come to him. Here's what's going on in my life. I trust you. I can depend on you in this situation. Your wife or husband passes away you got to turn to Christ, because otherwise it's going to overwhelm you. And some of it will be anxiety, because especially uh, my wife says she'll be, it'll blow her away because she doesn't know how to do anything. I said, well, I can teach you. Let's start. She did not like all the things I'm trying to teach her, but maybe I'll get her taught. She can take care of herself. But the bottom line is, it changes your relationship and it's hard to deal with. And you need to know That you have a God you can trust in everything. That he will be there all the time because he loves you. So last week it was all about he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And you ought to thank God for that. You are in a relationship. Well, bottom line, how much would you pay somebody if they could guarantee you could get to heaven? If they could guarantee they could give you the perfect life for the rest of eternity, how much would you pay? How much would you give for that? Can you think of a price that would be too much? You didn't have to pay at all. He paid. it. He paid the whole price so you could freely become his children. He loves you. And we want to say we love him. So if we've come to a place where we love him, what are we willing to do to live for him? And really many times that's when the question comes. How are we willing to live for Christ since he's given us freedom to live for him? the very smallest thing you could do is give thanks for what he's given you. Praise him. Even be able to praise him in front of people. It's hard for us to do, you know. Get up and open our mouths, that's hard. I was an introvert all through my high school years. Not that I didn't talk at home, I probably did at home. But I didn't anywhere else. Didn't like to be around people. And then the Lord saved me. Now they can't shut me up. But I'm so excited about what God's given me. And I hope that what I've talked about, I do. But I want you to know that's where the real peace is. Is in learning that he's always right at your side. That no matter what you go through, he loves you. And he will always love you. And because... He is good all the time, and He is always doing the right things in your life. That's what I wanted you to get. Thank God through everything that you go through. Take it to Him in prayer with thanksgiving. And the God of peace will be with you. Think on those things. The God of peace will be with you. You'll have peace that passes all understanding. It'll keep your hearts and minds. The world is not a perfect place. In fact, evil abounds and awful things happen because sin has destroyed our world. And it's destroying us. But Christ changed you. You're his forever. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we're grateful for your love, for your blessings, for the joy that you can give us in difficult situations, for the very fact that you can be the foundation, the one we lean on, the one that we know always works all things to good. Lord, we'd want to live in a way that it would always bring things to good for you, that you would teach us. Thank you for your love, for the joy you give us. Help us to grasp this and put it to work in our lives that we would just turn to you when things get hard before they overwhelm us and we would look upon you and know that all will be right. Give us that strength. Help us to trust you like that. We praise you for your goodness and bring us into your family. Help us to go home rejoicing in how amazing a God we have. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Three twenty one.
1: I'll shut this off. Three twenty one. Oh, I don't have it yet. Okay, I walked with the king. In sorrow I wandered, my spirit oppressed. But now I am happy securely at rest from morning till evening glad carols I sing, and this is the reason I walk with the king. I walk with the king hallelujah. I walk with the king, praise his name. No longer I roam. My soul faces home. I walk and I talk with the King. For years in the fetters of sin I was bound. The world could not help me, no comfort I found. But now like the birds and the sunbeams of spring, I'm free and rejoicing, I walk with the King, I walk with the King, hallelujah, I walk with the King, praise His name, no longer I roam, my soul faces home, I walk and I talk with the King. O soul, near despair in the lowlands of strife, look up and let Jesus come into your life. The joy of salvation to you he would bring. Come into the sunlight and walk with the King. I walk with the King, hallelujah. I walk with the King, praise His name. No longer I roam, my soul faces home. I walk and I talk with the King. Thank you, you're dismissed.